As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by the Spring Fling Galat, boasting huge payouts of 20000 50,000 and 20,000 and entries limited to 350 top bulb entries along with 32 no box participants. Starting tomorrow, February 1st, previous fling participants will be able to pre-enter the spring fling galot slotted for May the 1st through the 5th. In addition, today's podcast is presented by the 5th annual Southern Big Bucks Nationals, promoted by Johnny Ezell and Cody Pollage, coming up February 8th through 11th at No Problem Raceway in Belrose, Louisiana. The event features box payouts of $10,000, $15,000, and $10,000 to win for a $450 weekend entry, along with no-box purses of $3,000 to win each of the three days for just $200 weekend entry. And it's all that we know, it's the way you Give all that we got, right at a time. Do whatever we got do. We never know if it's one last Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in Sportsman Drag Racing and the stars within it. All right, guys, we've got a big show on tap for you today. The NHRA Winter Nationals is now, what, uh... About a week and a half away from commencing the 2018 NHRA season. And Big Jed, you know what that means. Oh, yes, I do, Luke. It's time for our NHRA pick'em that I am so good at. I can't wait. This is your favorite regular segment of the show. Yeah, I was so good at it in the previous season. I get to wear a decal on my car all year with me picking my nose, saying it's the only winner I can pick. So... <laughs> I almost forgot about that. How's that decal coming? You got that affixed well, permanently good. to Big Red just yet? I have not. I don't have a back window in Big Red currently, so it'll have to get that first, and then the decal comes second. Then got to find somebody to make the decal. There's a lot of stuff to do on the to-do list right now for that decal. <laughs> I'm sure I'll get to it by 
October. So, hmm. okay, I, I, I like the sound of that. We got a special treat for the listeners today. When we did our mid-season revision of the NHRA draft in 2017, we welcomed on National Dragster's own longtime columnist Kevin McKenna. We enjoyed Kevin's presence so much, and he didn't hate being on the show so much. Nye coming back on with us today, and we're actually going to spice things up a little bit this year, Big Jed. Not only is Kevin going to, last year he kind of served as a coach, more for you than for me, but uh, kind of walked us through our our You're on fire right now, bud. This year, Kevin is actually going to draft a team of his own. So maybe, Big Jed, that will provide a little bit of competition for me. I hate you, Luke. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I thought I was muted. My apologies. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well, we're looking forward to having kevin on he, he brings great insight and just a great personality to have on the show and maybe there's a chance i won't come in last this time but i still think i will i'll probably bump down one spot from second to third when the picks are done uh, before we get kevin mckenna on the show with us big jed let's lead things off with the secret performance who's hot in the world of drag racing he's on fire it's time for Who's Hot in Sportsman Drag Racing. Sebert Performance Who's Hot. Sebert Performance is ready to tackle any of your engine building needs, big or small. There's one last day to take advantage of the 10% off labor discount when you mention the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast. The deal expires February 1st. Learn more about what the guys at Sebert Performance can do for you by calling 785-286-6813. And again, don't forget to mention the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Big Jed, we're going to go a little bit different direction this week with the Seabird Performance Who's Hot. Rather than going, I don't know that we've ever, I know we've done a, a family or a, a name of racers, a group of racers in the past. I don't think we've ever given this to a non-racer, but that's where we're going to go this week. This was actually my idea, so I'll take credit for it. And if you hate it, uh, let me know. I'll I'll take the blame for it as well. But this week's Who's Hot is going to go to the NHRA Southeast Division 2 team. Uh, Rich, Cody, the guys at Division 2 for making the announcement. This actually didn't happen within the last week, but I know it's been building a little bit more momentum. Basically, what Division 2 is doing is uh, creating a, a completely separate eighth mile division series i'm kind of reading between the lines here but essentially what they're doing is is picking up where ihra left off in the area that ihra was the most popular and that was in the carolinas for the most part with eighth mile almost i think eighth mile exclusively events That's basically what NHRA is doing here. Um, Top sportsman, top dragster, the 90 classes, stock, super stock. And I think the biggest note here is that they are adopting the crate motor stockers for this series, giving those guys a place to race. And I guess, Jed, the... I'll go into a little bit more detail. I actually called, talked to Cody at the division office today to, to just make sure that I was relaying accurate information here on the podcast but the reason that this stood out to me and the reason that i wanted to talk about it as part of the secret performance who's hot is because i think most of us view the nhra in general as a kind of not a proactive organization as it as it refers to sports and drag racing like a high and mighty it's our way or the highway 
And this decision is a clear sign that that's not necessarily the case. Like this is a very proactive decision and oper- and, and a quick acting one at that to take advantage of a, a decent market of very loyal racers who with IHRA's recent decisions really don't have anywhere to go and race in the, in the manner that they're used to racing at. And within this, they've actually picked up a number of facilities that I would have always thought were IHRA staple facilities in the Southeast. This series of eighth mile events will be contested as of right now. They're telling me that there are six venues that have already committed to races. I think there's a few more to come right now. We've got Atlanta, Rockingham, the house of hook, which is Carolina dragway, Jackson, South Carolina, Piedmont, Orangeburg, South Carolina, and Mooresville Dragway. And like I say, four, maybe five of those have been always, I associate them with being IHRA facilities. And I think in some ways yeah. they've actually spearheaded this movement within the NHRA. Yeah, Luke, it's a great move by NHRA Division Two, Rich and the gang there. I've seen a lot of talk on social media about this move. And I think given the NHRA's my way, the highway stance that we view them to have so many years going that a lot of people think this is a money move. And sure, they obviously they want to make money. They want to obviously gain tracks and they will with this. Uh, as you said, a lot of tracks switching over to being an HRA sanction, moving from IHRA. They will gain memberships. So yeah, they'll gain money, but the races themselves uh, they're not going to make the NHRA Division Two any richer than it is. It's a, I think it's a great move on their part to give these racers that have invested so much in their racing operations somewhere to go. They'll be on familiar racing surfaces. Obviously, this is Carolina heavy where they have a tremendous showing of support in those uh, crate motor cars and, and all these categories that they're going to be competing in. So, uh, really hats off to, to Rich and the guys of Division 2. Heck of a move. And uh, really excited for those IHRA racers to have somewhere to go and, and have a familiar setting that they're going to be racing in. Yeah, very cool. And I think just the overall landscape, obviously we're picking out Rich and Cody here in Division 2. But I think that there are several NHRA Division directors that are very proactive. Uh, it's kind of the the new blood, so to speak. I'm not going to single anybody out. But like Trey in Division Four, I think does an excellent job. And case in point, like that Money Monday deal that that he and Britt Cummings are putting on. Maybe it's just Britt's race, but to allow yeah. that to happen, backed up to a double divisional, pretty neat stuff. And I know that the guys out in um, Division Six, very just because I have I've spoken with them a fair amount, very receptive to basically catering their program to meet the racers' needs, which is always super cool. But just for a little bit of clarity, again, because I did talk with uh, Cody at the Division Two office, like this deals basically a whole separate division championship within Division Two. They're still going to have their regular Lucas Oil Series quarter mile with the exception of Galat, I think is thousand foot, but the typical series that they've always had, this is going to be a standalone series right now. There's six events. You get great points for showing up. Wally's separate division championships be awarded at the banquet. And again, like the crate motor stockers have a place to race, just a, a pretty cool setup all the way around. Cody assured me that they're kind of still working out the details. He didn't have much more information for me at this time. I'm still looking to add a couple of tracks, finalized dates, things like that. 
he did want me to mention that they are looking for some sponsorship help for this. Obviously, this is a pretty big undertaking for the division yeah. office. So um, I know that some of you manufacturers out there are listening. If this sounds like something that you want to be involved in, whether it be title sponsorship, contingency sponsorship, whatever the case may be, get in contact with Richard Cody and let him know how much you appreciate what they're doing for the racers. Yeah, for the sponsors, potential sponsors out there, Luke, this is groundbreaking territory. So uh, get involved in something new, something that hopefully will spread throughout other divisions and give the country's IHRA class racers and and other, obviously, categories the opportunity to come compete with you. So I think this is really cool. And if I was a sponsor looking to invest in a series this would definitely be one i'd have my eye on so i hope it works out very well for everybody involved gotta hear this this week on what everyone is talking about all right, guys, as promised, uh, we're going to have a third party this year in our NHRA Pick'em. Great to have longtime member of the NHRA National Dragster staff, now the senior editor of the ND, and uh, semi-regular here on the show. We'll be joined soon by Kevin McKenna. But our lead story for this week, and we wanted to bring Kevin on a little bit earlier just to share with us some of his insight, but we talked last week about... Old Bridge Township Raceway Park in uh, English Town, basically ceasing racing operations. I don't remember if that was last week or two weeks ago now, to be honest. But obviously that left a void in the NHRA national event schedule, among other things. And that void has been filled with a return to Virginia Motorsports Park. The Virginia national event will actually take place on the same weekend. I believe it's uh, June 8th through 10th that Englishtown was scheduled for. Obviously, big news in NHRA circles is the, I don't think, it doesn't feel like the national event schedule has been altered a whole lot in terms of venue over recent years. So uh, the move back to Virginia, obviously a pretty big one. What are your thoughts, Kevin? Obviously, the Englishtown thing was shocking. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, uh, there's a lot of emotion there. You know, that, that was a great place for many years. But I think most people realized it was inevitable that we were going to lose it someday. I just don't think anybody realized it would happen so quickly. So I think what happened is, in the wake of that, a number of tracks around the country reached out to NHRA's management and said, you know, if you're interested in having this event, we'd love a chance to host it. And uh, my understanding is in Glendora, they had some really productive conversations with a number of these tracks and out of that uh, obviously emerged this agreement that was announced today with uh, with uh, the track uh, there in Virginia and it was a suitable national event site 10 years ago i know that the franklin family recently bought it they've committed uh, already you know even prior to this announcement to doing a lot of upgrades so uh, you know i have no doubt that it uh, will fit uh, seamlessly into the uh, the national event schedule uh, as it is now yeah, without question. Yeah. The place holds a special place in my heart. It was actually an IHRA national event, but that was my the site of my first ever national event win back years ago. So I like Virginia. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. traditionally a great racing surface there. Obviously, when Virginia had their national event in past years, I think it was a, a fall event, if I remember correctly, and you'd see all kind of records set there. Probably won't happen in June, but I think the racers can rest assured that they'll have a great racing surface and a, a great facility to go compete on. Yeah, actually, I believe the track, the event moved around a few times. It was in the spring that Warren Johnson spring, ran. Okay. 
the first 200 mile an hour pro stock run there, you know, and I believe that was in May. So, so you could even into early June, it's probably conceivable that you, you could have some pretty favorable conditions there. Um, yeah. You know, the, the other interesting thing I think is to look at how much NHRA has changed in the last 10 years, given the TV package and, and some of the things. And I'm really optimistic that an event's going to do very well there. Yeah, right, I'm sure stuff. it will. Thanks for the input on that, K-Mac. But obviously, you know, the reason that we've got you on the show and, and you are, you, is this, is this like record breaking for the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast? Is this our first repeat guest on the show? Oh, goodness. I, uh, I should know this, but I think it could be. I think so. I think well, so. We I'm had Kevin very, on. very honored. How about that? Yeah. And and now it sounds like we're at least going to have a reason for you to come back in midseason. But uh, for our listeners that are like, what are they talking about? We did this last year. Jed and I basically drafted teams of NHRA sportsman competitors in each of the sportsman categories that were our picks to win the world championship. And with Pomona on the horizon, we felt like it was time to do it again. The way that we do this is you don't get any points for second place. It's championship or bust. We will each pick three drivers in each of the categories and new for this year. Kevin is not only going to, uh, in midseason last year, he kind of coached us through it. This year, he's actually going to draft a team of his own. So again, we'll each, the three of us, pick three drivers in each category. Since Kevin is new, since Kevin is the rookie, we are going to give him the first pick, both of driver and class. So you can pick whatever class you want to start in. Kevin, you'll get the first pick. Jed, I'll give you the second pick since i you know just you, beat you like a drum last year i'll it's take last exactly the way you described it off air but okay i'll take it we'll uh, <laughs> and then we'll kind of snake draft so whoever picks third will also get the fourth pick back around first on through until we have each have three in each class after the first class jed you'll get to pick the second class and get the first pick third class i'll get to pick and get the first pick there's so make sense everybody on board I think I understand it, and I'm the dumbest of the three, so everybody else should be good. Um, no, I, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily go there, but I, I do have a question. Will we include comp eliminator in this? We did not include comp in the past, and I didn't do any research on comp. Jed, do you? No, I did not. Brad Pullman's right. going to win that anyway, so we're good. <laughs> uh, okay, that's well, that's that's fine with me. Um, so so so, oh, we, so we are super stock through the top classes, huh? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And Kevin, we're going to have, this will be a little bit up in the air. We'll probably put it up to our listeners, but last season, Jed and I did have a little wager on the side here. So, um, we'll have to come up with something that's agreeable to everybody. We'll have to put a little bit something on this at some point. Wagering. Oh boy. Now, now you got me right where you want me. <laughs> all right. That's uh, Hey, all well and good. I'm in as long as, long as it's not a you know, million dollar race entry or, or something like that. I think, um, I think I'm down with it. <laughs> no, for for his pittance for falling in last year's uh, pick'em contest, Jed actually has to you wear a decal on the back window of his race car that's basically a caricature of Jed picking his nose, saying this is the only ah. pick I could get right. So it'd be something something along those lines. And listeners, yeah. if you've got any good ideas, like what I've got in mind specifically for Kevin is some type of mention in National Dragster that like we beat him. That, that's all I'm really looking for. Maybe uh, we can I, come I, up with something do, more creative. I do, have a, I do have a weekly column, so if it comes to that, I will either gloat or I'll take uh, take my medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Uh, Big Mac, where are we starting? Uh, that's really a good question because I thought we went class by class. So okay. who is the most 
obvious guy to uh, win. That's really tough. You know, I, I'm going to take a total shot in the dark here because that's how I generally do these things. I'm going to take top dragster Aaron Stanfield. Aaron Stanfield, dragster. Okay, so we're going dragster first. I like it. Mark, I hope you're keeping track of all of this because there's no way any of us will. Go ahead, <laughs> Jed. My top dragster number one choice is going to be a guy that I just like a lot, and he got close this year, and I feel like he's going to step it up, and that's Paul Nero. I think Paul's going to make a run at it. All right, so Kevin took Aaron Stanfield with the top spot, and he was on my big board. Jed took Paul Nero with his top pick. He was on my big board. I'm going to go a predictable direction for listeners of the podcast. They're probably saying, I know where Luke's going here. My third pick will be KB. Uh, I'll take Kevin Brandon all day long. And then I get to pick fourth as part of this snake draft. So give me KB and give me Jeff Strickland. Okay. A couple of former world champions there to head up my top dragster team. So we're back to you, Jed. Okay, so I go next. I will go with Mike Coughlin. Mike was a late pick for me in 17, and he almost pulled it out. He made a run at it, so I got confidence in him. All right, so Kevin, you get your last two picks in top drag. So we've got Aaron Stanfield, Paul Nero, Kevin Brandon, Jeff Strickland, and Mike Coughlin off the board. I like Stephen Furr. Hard to go against the fuzz. All right, we got fuzz. Yeah, that's uh, generally, historically has been a good pick. And, boy, one more. You know, here's another total shot in the dark, but I like the guy. In fact, I just got off the phone with him, and he, he will be my column on NHRA.com tomorrow. Uh, Kyle Slaypo out in Division 7. The oh. big nasty. Friend of the podcast. Yep. Yeah. That's all the more reason to pick him. I like the way that you worked in your upcoming column, too. That's that's, that's a professional <laughs> move. That, that is. Well that's good done. stuff. Well, it, 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 it's, it's also an excuse if I'm horribly wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> you got to ponder all these things when you're doing these. Where are you going next, Big Jed? My third pick. We haven't had opportunity to have him on the show yet. I guess we will at some point. But oh. I'm going to go with a repeat champion. I'm going to go with the Pirate, Lynn Allison. I, I was going to say, if y'all let that slip to ninth, I was going to snag Lenny up myself. Okay. My big board is looking looking thin. We've got KB. We've got Strickland. Lenny. Mikey C. Seiple's been taken. Um, first, Anfield. Give me the guy that I think has been in the top ten of every top dragster points battle to date. I think. I may be wrong on that. But I think so. It seems, feels like he has. Give me J.R. Baxter. Mm. All right, so recapping the top dragster category, Kevin McKenna has Aaron Stanfield, Steve Furr, Kyle Seipel, Big Jed, Paul Nero, Mikey C., Mikey Coughlin, and the defending world champion, Lynn Ellison. And my team, KB, Little Strick, J.R. Baxter. All right, top dragster's done. Okay. It's, uh, it's on you, Big Jed. Where are we going next? Well, next, we're going top sportsman, Luke and... Uh, you got to get a, you got a little making up to do here, don't you? But I tell you what, I'm super duper excited about my number one draft choice in the top sportsman category, the seemingly undefeated Jeffrey Barker. <laughs> just so good. Just for a recap, dude from you, felt yeah. so good. Just for a recap for our listeners, a year ago when we did this, my three picks were Jeffrey Barker, Sandy Wilkins, 
at open. The reason that I remember that is because like starting at Pomona where at open one seemingly all season long, those three were not only the three championship contenders, like they were one through three in the championship standings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have to redraft anything in June. I felt pretty good about my top sportsman team. So, Jed, kudos to you, sir, getting a little bit ahead of things this I, year and picking the odds on the team in top sportsman. Didn't I? Didn't I scrap all three of them? Yeah, you did. You just start over. Kevin, what, what the heck? Right. Kevin, tell me, but there's no help for me. You dominate. Okay. Well, <laughs> With the second pick, uh, I got to give, I got to snag up the man that gave Barker his best run for the money last year. Give me Sandy Wilkins. Great choice. All right, Kevin, you get three and four here. Two picks back to back. What direction are you going to go? I think I'm with, because I don't have the points in front of me, but I know Ed Olpin was up there. Top five guy, so I will take him. And as tough as Division Four is, I think maybe we'll take a flyer on Keith Raftery. Never a bad pick. He was high on my big board as well, Kevin. That's yeah. what's back to me with the fifth pick. Hmm. <laughs> I wish I knew. I wish I could look at your board, Big Jed, because I want to. <laughs> I want to save one, thinking that you probably won't get to him. And I could go a lot of different directions here, but uh, I just like his style. I, I actually two guys. Well, it's hard to say that about anybody in top sportsman. Like if you go like in the sixes with a door car, I probably like your style. Give me Mark McDonald with the. Oh, here. Oh. oh, oh, yeah. All right. Hey, that hurt. <laughs> two picks I'll back like to Mark. back. Yeah. All right. I'm going with a guy. Just I just friggin like and i just i'm pulling for him is the reason i'm going with him and that's 2017 number eight finisher don o'neill i'm i'm pulling for o'neill i think he's chase it hard and he's going to go after it so got the other dragsters for sale team there yeah absolutely and my final pick is a name that i just want to say as much as i can and that's mike furderer Ooh, okay. There's, there's a lot of R's and E's and stuff in that name, and I like it. So I'm, <laughs> I'm picking Mike Furderer. And it was just a just a week ago that Sherm was talking about the Ferd, right? He was talking about the Ferd. Yeah, you stole my pick. That was next for me, Big oh, Jim. That, that was oh, the one I thought I that was the one I thought I might get away with. Oh, um, got a couple of X's on your board for Big Jim. Yeah. Right. Okay, so one, two, three, four. The top five on my board have been taken in these first, what, seven picks. I guess that's not a huge surprise. Hmm. My internal debate here is smarts or, or, or style. Not that stylish isn't smart in the, in this instance. And you know what? I watched Lester Adkins dial six flat five rounds in a row <laughs> and win Tom Sportsman at Columbus <laughs> last year. And it's probably one of the coolest things I've ever witnessed. So I don't know if it's the smartest pick because I don't know if that's the best way to approach this class. But by God, it's cool. Give me Lester Adkins. <laughs> if you can't win, it's uh, spectacular. That's it. <laughs> I loved your reasoning behind that too, Luke. That was awesome. Last pick for Kevin. Adding to a, a team of Ed Open and Keith Rafter. You're looking pretty strong in top sportsman already, Kevin. Where, where are you going to take yeah, your fly? I, I, uh, I think you talk about names that you enjoy saying. I think who, who doesn't want to see Marco Abruzzi return oh. to uh, what, what three years ago the guy was practically untouchable. And, and I certainly think he's capable of that again. 
Yeah, I think yeah. if Marco commits to running the NHRA Tour, he's as much a favorite as anyone. That's a Absolutely. great pick. That's a little bit off the radar because he you know, wasn't in the top 10 or maybe wasn't even in the top 50 last year simply for not coming to the races. Right. Yeah. All right, so it's on me, huh? It just seems silly to pick, like, I feel like Super Comp is my wheelhouse, but it's so ultra competitive that, like, I don't really want to waste my top draft pick on a Super Comp racer. Does that make sense? That's why I didn't go there. <laughs> okay, let's go to, let's go to Superstock. I'm going to go straight chalk with the top pick. Uh, he wasn't last year's champion, but he seems to win the championship more often than he doesn't. Give me Jimmy DeFrank. Oh, oh, that hurt. Kevin has the second pick in Superstock. So sorry about that, Big Jed. But that was number uno. I think probably number one. He's number one in everybody's heart. Number one on everybody's list. Oh, yeah, just like that dude yeah. too. Oh, <laughs> uh, Superstock. Let's see. Hmm. You want to talk straight chalk, Justin Lamb. Hard to argue with that. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean he, every, every year he says he's not going to pursue it, but he goes out and he wins three or four races, and then it's a done deal. So, Yeah, and I honestly, I think that's 80% of the class. I don't know that more than 20% of them are planning on chasing the world. They like to see how it goes early. So Justin will, right. Justin will get his points and go chase it. Big Jed, see, you mm-hmm. get on me. Like, I, I, it took me sending out 20 text messages to, to realize that. You just knew it inherently. You're getting on me for doing research. I don't know now any more than you knew two weeks ago. Yes, you do. You know everybody's races and all that. But forget about all that. I am going with a guy that has dominated on the IHRA side and is obviously done extremely well on the NHRA side, but this is his year to get it done. That is baby gaps, Lake Cummins going to get it done in Superstop. Yeah. I had him really high on my list too. All right. You get two back to back here, big Jed. Where are you going after Slate? Uh, obviously Kevin Helms. That's an, that's a no brainer. All right. Back to Mr. McKenna adding to uh defending world champion, Justin Lamb on the McKenna team. Where are we going? K Mac. Hmm. I'm going to go down the list a little bit, but I really like what this guy did last year. Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. Kuda. Kuda. Hard to bet against Kuda. Okay, so I have the sixth pick, and the top three on my list are gone. Oh, I get I get back-to-back picks here, so I feel like I could take a little bit of a flyer on one. Mm. Okay, give me, even though... We've talked about, and I realize how difficult it is to win a national championship from the Northwest. The guy that always seems to be in the mix is Jody Lang. Give me Jody Lang. Oh, if you were doing this, if if, if it wasn't winner take all, that would probably be your consensus number one, because he is money when it comes to top ten. Right, for sure. And then with <laughs> with my other pick. Just because he told me in like no uncertain terms that he was not a good pick in Superstock, give me Nick Foles. Yeah. Oh, I like it. All right. So like I've it. got Jimmy D, Jody Lang, Nick Folk, Kevin, with your last pick to add to the team of Justin Lamb and Jimmy Hidalgo Jr. Well, would it be wrong of me to pick Aaron Stanfield again? No, it wouldn't be. So, absolutely not. <laughs> 
cannot go uh, wrong. Not, I, you know, I, I, I know he's racing a showdown car, so I hope that doesn't prevent him from choosing mm-hmm. points in Superstock. But um, I'm willing to take that risk. Fair Talented enough. young man. That was a great pick. Yeah. I've heard him for, for mul- multiple championships by the time he's done. Well, you're predicting him for multiple championships this season. So obviously you got a lot of confidence. Well, in. well, that, well that's true too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, and just so that I can get like the other six divisions on you, Kevin, that's a pretty D4 mm-hmm. heavy roster you got there. We get that a lot, so I just like to I just yeah. like to I like to pass that on. <laughs> so for someone who lives in Division Three, spent twenty years in Division Seven, and was raised in Division Two, I'd like to see someone argue why. It's all about the good guys this year, came out. All about the good guys. Yeah. <laughs> Jed, one my, more pick in Superstock. My final pick is easy. I left him in my third slot, thinking that one of you guys would scoop him up, but. One of my favorite guests of all time here on the podcast, an Alabama boy, a true legend in our sport, David Rampey, shall rise to the top in Superstop in 2018. So give me Rambo. Never a bad pick. All right, quick recap on Superstock. I get Jimmy DeFrank, Jody Lang, Nick Folk, Kevin, Justin Lamb, Kuda, and Aaron Stanfield, (laughs) Big Jed, Slate Baby Gap Cummings. Kevin Helms, and David Rampey. We're back around to you, Kevin. What class are we going to next? We still have stock on the board and super comp and super gas. I love this, mm. by the way. I can tell. <laughs> I mean, I was yeah. worried about my picks and all that. This is awesome time. K-Mac <laughs> on the other side, picking let's, third. Let's, let's go to super gas. And uh, can I take Luke? It's not a good pick. I sold the suit. I sold <laughs> <laughs> Not run a suit. Be wasting that one. <laughs> you did not. I did. It's gone. You're not gonna. You're gonna have another one. <laughs> not this year. <laughs> uh, He's not chasing, bud. A little. That's a little inside information. I could have let you go. I'm just trying to help you out. You should have. Right. I, I will take you at your word, and I will even leave a couple of plums right there at the top for you guys to pick. But uh, I am going to take Ray Ray. I will take Ray Miller the third. Oh, oh Kevin. <laughs> I was even looking forward to saying Ray Miller cubed. Well, <laughs> I was going to even put a little flare in it, and you just took it. <laughs> oh, you're brutal. So I'm up next. Yeah, you got to regroup quick. All right. And I, I thought I left a big cherry up there at the top for you. Yeah. Yeah, Ray Ray's my guy. But again, another guy that's just going to always be in the mix is. Steve Fur. Jed going with the fuzz. And uh, okay, well, the, the, this is, I, I can rain off on this one, guys. Give me, I get two picks here. Give me John LaBouche Jr., defending national champion, and give me Mike Sawyer, the guy that I have said for years is uh, the most consistent, most overdue to win a championship driver in this category. I like my Super Gas picks right now. Without question, he's money. And, and actually, in light of this week's announcement with Richmond, now you know he's going to get his quota of races and not have to travel all over the world. Yeah, that's, that's pretty point. solid. Good point. Good point. Back to you, Jed. You got Fuzz. Who are you going to join him? I'm going to take. Sorry, I'm going to take a guy that that I mean was just thousands from getting it done this year. I'm going to take Chris Cannon in the comeback effort, and I will pick again. Correct. 
No, it goes to Kevin for two picks, and then he'll come back to you. Then I will not pick yeah. again until Kevin makes his <laughs> Way to then keep, I, keep I, it I will... sealed. <laughs> not give anything away there. That was good. <laughs> I am going to take a run at Steve Williams out west. Boy, I got two Division three guys I really like. Actually, there's three of them that, that I think would be reasonable picks. But I am going to... Uh, Take a shot at Devin Eisenhower. Ooh. Very talented up-and-coming racer, who I think is the defending Division Three champion. He is, and, and I got a chance to watch him a couple times last year, and uh, I agree. I think his best years are ahead of him. Without question. That's a good pick. All right, Jed. Last pick for Super Gas. Well, whatever. I, I won't confirm any suspicions. I have an idea where you're going here. I don't know if you do or not, but I'm just a guy that that's going to look up in there and see who performed well and who I think has talent with sustainability, and that is Jacob Elrod. Just a great racer. Going to have the funds and the means necessary to go do it, so I'm going with Jacob. Okay, I completely agree with you there, but I I really just thought your Southeast bias was going to show through. I did not expect that that's where you would go. That leaves me with a bit of a dilemma. I was proud of myself for saving one guy like because I thought I could get him with the last pick just because he didn't run a full series of races last year and I don't think was even in the top 50. But she, she, she left Sherman. Like I, I just I thought we I, 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 I thought she'd take Sherman. Well, uh, I'm going to stick to my plan here. And Sherm, I apologize, buddy. You can make me regret this, and I'll try to pick you up in June. But give me Tom Stalba. I'm going to go Stalba with the last pick in, uh, uh, in Super Gas. That's a good pick. And I, honestly, I wanted to pick Sherm, and I probably should have. But I felt like off air, we had some discussions that he wasn't 100% sure of the chase. But I'll probably live to regret that one. Well, like you said before, that's probably 95% of the racers in the country at this point. But a couple of wallies before May, and uh, all of that can change in a hurry. Yeah, good point. All right, Kevin, we got stock and super comp still available. What direction do you want to go? It's just fitting, because I think those are probably the two... I don't know if most unpredictable is the right word. Like They seem to be the two classes with the highest level of parity. Would you agree? Yeah, I would agree. And I think you also have the, the highest uh, participation, certainly in stock. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got um, plenty of guys that run stock uh, well, in super comp. So I uh, yeah, just think you have just more quality people. But uh, boy, let, let's go with super comp because there, there's we, we could pick 10 members on each team and, and probably uh, still come up with a lot of quality. Yeah, and we still might not have the ones we want in June, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Luke, I, I apologize for interrupting, but like right there, didn't Kevin just lead us with super gas and pick? I, I, I did. So if, if B. It, Miller the third. Oh, I'm sorry, Jen. It's <laughs> I mean, woo, apologize for that. What's going yeah. on here, guys? I, I mean, I don't want to. Hey, man, you need all the help you can get. So, Jed, do you want to go to stock or do you want to go to Supercup? <laughs> well, because I think stock is the most difficult category to pick, I'm going Super Comp. That's fair. To make my first pick. I'm glad you set us straight there, Big Jed. Well, look, I apologize for... You were about to compromise the integrity of this entire process. So <laughs> I would not want to want to, would not want to have gotten disqualified in my first year. That would have been embarrassing. <laughs> They'd much rather listen to you anyway, Kevin. I'm going John LaBoche Jr. for a repeat. 
or actually not a repeat, but he, he was darn close. So I, I think he'll have another great season. Your Southeast bias was not showing through, but my personal bias will. Give me KB again. I get KB on both teams for the second year in a row. A year ago, it did not work out, but I got faith in my boy. KB, if you're listening, hey, come on. It's time. I don't want to interrupt that pick at all, but I just feel like there's so much great bracket racing out there that KB is going to get blinded by the money, and he's going to skip a couple of things and go chase the big bracket races and leave you hanging. No offense, KB. I love you like a brother. Go ahead, Kevin. My apologies. No, no problem. No, 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 Luke, you didn't sell your dragster, right? No, no. Just, I mean, granted, like we said, 95% of the people tell you the same thing. I, I have no intention to go to like a single division race this year. Now, kind of said that last year, so take with that what you will, but I would say that I'm probably not the greatest pick. Oh, God. Well, you, you just talked me right out of it. All right, <laughs> then, then well, uh, I will go with a guy who I know is going to go to division events because he went to nine of them last year. Uh, I'll take Gary Stinnett. Oh, great choice. Yeah, hard to go wrong with Stinnett. Stinnett to win it. Stinnett to win mm-hmm. it. And you get back-to-back picks there, Kevin. Uh, here's a guy I like, another Division Three guy that I think's done well. I'm going to go with Phil Smita. That's a good pick, too. Smita can race, yeah. Uh, I fully realize that it's not fashionable to pick mm-hmm. the defending national champion, and I've also fully realize how difficult it is to defend that title if defending is a word particularly in this category but if you're going to leave it this long i got to pick up austin williams yeah great pick i feel like some of those might have been on your list Jed, just just by the the grunts and the, and the reaction yeah. that we're getting here so a-dub was on the list <laughs> especially if they're, they're races if they're having races in topeka we know he's going to score a lot of points so yeah, Topeka is good for him. All right, you get back-to-back picks, Big Jen. This is going to be rather easy for me. I'm going to take a young man that I think is extremely talented and got a great mentor that helps him a lot. That is Marco Paravalaris. Marco is my main man, and I'm pulling for him, so I might as well ride his coattails to the top. And I will take in my third slot, Nick the Bleep Folk. Okay, that may or may not have been the next one on my board. Okay, let's regroup a little bit. I got a little insider information from Tommy. He's not a great pick this year. KB's taken. <laughs> Austin's taken. Stinnett's taken. Nick's taken. Laboose is taken. Um, okay, I'm going to, I guess, like from a national perspective, this might be considered taking a little bit of a flyer, but I've seen what this young man is capable of. And if anybody's going to kind of come out of the woodwork, so to speak, and have a dominant season, I think I would put my money on him. Give me Christopher Dodd with my third pick in Supercon. Whoa. Christopher Dodd from D4. Wow. I ran, just side note, I, I got paired up with Christopher at what I think was his first national event. It was at Dallas probably uh, four years ago, somewhere in that range. And we got paired up in like the quarterfinal round. And to that point, I don't think he had been worse than eight on the tree. And when we ran, he was not worse than eight on the tree. In fact, I, I want to say that he was like four and a thou under or something along those lines and sent me back to Illinois. And ever since, I've kept pretty close watch on uh, on his progression because he was like 18 at the time. He's super capable and got a, got a good program. Wow. Sound like a great pick. One last pick for Super Comp for Mr. McKenna. Uh, and uh, let's go with... Uh... One of Division 5's finest, uh, Trevor Larson. 
Oh, Trevor was on my board. All right, so Super Comp for Big Jed, John LaBoost Jr., Marco Paravillaris, and Nick the Bleep Folk. <laughs> it's almost time for the game for Sam to start. Thanks for the update, Gary. <laughs> almost seven. He's right. We got we got SIU basketball, guys. I may have to cut this short. <laughs> we got um, the roll. <laughs> <laughs> My team for Super Comp, we've got KB, Austin Williams, Christopher Dodd. I'm a little D4 heavy this time. And Kevin has Stinnett to win it, Smita, Trevor Larson. All right, last category, and I get the first pick by default. So, Stock Eliminator. Hmm. I had one that I thought might be a little bit of a sleeper here, but I don't think that he'll last to number six when I get to pick again. So, I guess with the first pick in Superstock, I'm going to be obligated to take Double O Joe. Give me Joseph Santangelo. Wow, that yeah, he he, he was not going to last sixth. In fact, he probably wasn't going to make it to three. <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> and then, and, right, and so, just to, and just to clarify, and just to clarify, this is stock we're picking, obviously, right? Correct, stock eliminator. You said, you, 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 you said super stock a second ago. Oh, I'm sorry. To uh, make, make sure you didn't read the wrong board. Or, That's why we got you on here, Kevin. Keep us in check. Yeah, great All catch. Right. So Santangelo for me, Kevin. You get the next pick in stock eliminator. Mm. Well, you took a little bit of the wind out of my sails because I, I think he's he is a man on a mission. But again, how do you Justin Lamb? Just too much talent. If if he gets in a spot to take a run at it, he's going to do it. Great choice. Yeah, hard to uh, hard to go against the defending champ, Big Jed. Back to back picks. Obviously, a ton of talent on the board. What direction are you going here? Well, I'm going to go first with Kevin Helms, obviously finished second in 2017, but uh, just he's always in the middle of it. And he will be at as many races as you can go to. So I know that don't always well, work I, out. I, I, I guess, um, are you sure about that? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm going to have a little inside information here. <laughs> well, I, I, I have to be careful here because I believe Kevin has recently taken – a new assignment that may or may not prevent him from racing a full-time schedule. Well, actually, you know, it's all but common knowledge now. And if if this is breaking news and it helps your podcast, we've been told that Kevin Helms is going to work with the, uh, the Schumacher team on their drag back program. Again, I I don't know. uh, And and actually, since it's kind of been teased quite a bit on Twitter, uh, you know, we know they already have a car for Leah Pritchett. There is a strong possibility that, there's a guy who's pretty handy in a funny car that may drive the other one. And okay. uh, he has oh, no, pre- no, pre- no previous sportsman racing experience. And I'll just leave it at that. You know, again, I don't know how much this affects Kevin's ability to go out and race himself, but make of that what you will. Well, I, no offense, K-Mac, but he was one of my picks in Superstock. Where was this, where was this information a minute um, ago? <laughs> you know, did, did, I, did, I, did I miss that? Because... I certainly would have said something then. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Let that one slip. I know you're still at work and you're probably doing work while I was picking, but man, I appreciate you listening a little, just a little closer. I mean, he I, I, to you almost as much as I do. Big Jed. Okay. <laughs> uh, I yep. Heck with it. I'm still going Helms. I, okay. I think that the racer in him is going to, he's going to tell him, forget this guys, if you're not letting me race. So I think Helms is still going to emerge. And then I'm going with, Oh man, this is hard. Heck with it, Jeff Strickland. Roll Tide. 
I can't. I mean, if there's Alabama guy on the board, I got to pick him. It's just <laughs> it's talking about a southeast bias. What about an Alabama bias? Kevin, who is going to join Justin Lamb on your team with the, what is this, the fifth pick in Stock Eliminator? Hmm. Trying to figure out how he could have uh, been bad enough to finish 17th last year, but I certainly expect more out of Brad Burton, so we're going to take a run at him. Oh, that's a great pick. Yeah, that was on my list, too. Okay, I get back-to-back picks here. The the first one jumps, well, I'm going straight by you. I, give me Cooter and give me Slate. Hey, uh, yeah, that's right. Give me Jimmy Lago Jr. and give me Slate. Baby Gap Cummings. I know that uh, both of those got picked in Superstock as well. I'm not going to claim to have a good enough memory to tell you if either of them were on my team. They were not. But yeah, Kevin got Cooter in Superstock. Jed got Slate. Um, and uh, But I'll take both of them in stock. Both. Uh, I think uh, members of the um, original Louisiana Bad Passes uh, in the Dream Team <laughs> Challenge. <laughs> oh, there you go, Harger. There you go, Harger. Get you some of that, big guy. Found a way to slip it in, and NHRA pick them. It felt good. Who's next? I don't even know who's next. I'm so I'm <laughs> cloud nine right now. Oh, Kevin. Pick number eight. <laughs> Let's see. He kind of got a bit of a spot last year, but uh, – Wondering if maybe Jerry Emmons isn't good for a rebound. Mm, good choice. Emmons will be a player. We got Division Four covered, Big Jet. I think you. Well, you don't have to go elsewhere. And there's a lot of good stock racers in Division Four. <laughs> I'm just looking at my board here. They can't all I, win. There is. Well, that's that's the problem. It, it, it's almost counterproductive to uh, have so many guys from uh, that area. Yeah, maybe I should reevaluate my picks. Nah, I got faith in the Bayou. Well, by the way, I said Dream Team Challenge. It was the All-State Challenge. So just a quick correction, my next and final pick will be from Division Four, just because I freaking love them, and I think this guy's got it. The original Tex-Mex, Jeff Lopez. Good pick. And he's uh, coming off a top 10 finish in Stock Eliminator. So he is. Where well, I think he got better throughout the year as well. Well, without uh, question. I he's- think he's. That little copo is going to be getting after him this year. Yeah, I think getting more and more comfortable on the bottom bulb and some of that natural talent is uh, is showing through more and more with each event. So, all right, good picks. So, just to quickly recap, Stock Eliminator, my team, Joseph Santangelo, Jimmy Hidalgo Jr., Kuda, and Slate, Baby Gap, Cummings, Kevin, got uh, <laughs> Baby J, Justin Lamb, got Brad Burton, got Jerry Emmons. And Big Jed with uh, Kevin Helms, we think might be a questionable pick. Little, little Strick and the original Tex Max Jeffrey Lopez. Kevin, thank you again for uh, letting us make you 30 minutes dumber and 30 minutes later for whatever deadline it is that you have to meet with National Dragster. And uh, we look forward to meeting back up in June and uh, talking about everything that we got wrong on today's podcast. Mm. Yeah, the is that where you get the dial tone? Sorry, this number's been disconnected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. No, Great it, having you on. Oh, no, it, it, it's been a pleasure. I enjoy it, and I'm uh, looking forward to the next one. Yes, sir, as are we. Good times. Well, you can, you can start brainstorming, too, on uh, what the penalty needs to be for the, the two non-winners of our little contest here. So we'll get our listeners involved, too. We'll have a little fun with it. You got it. All right, Thanks, Kevin, Kevin, finish up that work. See you, bud. All right, sounds good. We'll uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Cross the land, then you do the L ride, and you come out like the world champ.
I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And, and, and you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing uh, our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest uh, edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. Race it experience it. Peter Biondo and Kyle Seipel have had this motto in mind since the creation of the Spring Fling brand, and they are taking it to a new level with the Spring Fling Galat. In an effort to make sure everyone on the grounds has the best experience possible, they have limited entries to 350 plus 32 no-box cars. Racers are also guaranteed the one-on-one fling customer service and professionalism that racers have come to expect from fling events. Pre-entries will begin for previous fling participants on February 1st at noon Eastern. Previous fling participants can buy one or two entries. If they purchase two entries and only have one car, they can give that second entry to a friend, previous participant or not. On February 2nd, entry will open for everyone. $300 will be due now with the balance paid at the gate. No entries at the gate regardless of pre-entry count. Pre-enter on February 1st at noon Eastern at www.bracketraces.com. Johnny Ezell and Cody Pollage are bringing the 5th Annual Southern Big Buck Nationals back to No Problem Raceway in Belrose, Louisiana. It's a fantastic event taking place February the 8th through the 11th. Friday and Sunday will pay $10,000 to win. That's presented by Dairy Queen, who don't like Dairy Queen. While Saturday will pay an outstanding $15,000 $15,000 presented by East Tex Racecraft. Best Losing Package Awards will be given away for the first five rounds each day. Uh, the event will also have two shootouts. There will be a 64-car box shootout as presented by the Shop at Deck Bar. It will pay $15,000 to win, while the no-box 32-car version presented by May Race Carbs will pay $2,500 to win. Both shootouts are currently full, but will be taking alternates. There will be a racer appreciation dinner both Friday and Saturday night. The box weekend entry is only $450, while the no box weekend entry is only $200. Double entries are allowed in any form. Thursday will be open for test and tune from 1 to 6, and there will be a practice tree race that evening. For more information on this great event, find the Southern Big Buck Nationals on Facebook. Honey, where are we racing next week? It's time to discuss next week's major events, news, updates, releases, and announcements. It's What's on Tap! All right, guys, What's on Tap is brought to you by the folks at AHRA. And uh, we want to let you know that Jeffers Motorsports Park in Sykeston, Missouri, is the first sanctioned AHRA track under the AHRA Resurrection. And we'll be running the AHRA Sportsman Program this coming 2018 season. That includes performance-based payout and a newly devised Perfect Run Recognition Program. Keep up with them at www.ahraonline.com or look for them on Facebook. And uh, Luke, what's on tap also, we want to cover Michael Beard and Anthony Walton's Loose Rocker Promotions, uh, Bigfoot 40Ks, $40,000 to win three days in a row in foot break. 
be happening this spring at Darlington. And uh, these guys just come, they just keep coming up with great ideas and enhancing the experience for the racers. They've done away with the pre-entry requirement, or not requirement, but uh, pre-entry details to get in the race. And they've basically just left it pay at the gate, which, you know, so much pre-entry going on. Obviously, uh, it's a good idea, and it's going to help the racers uh, not have to worry about trying to get that paid in advance. You'll get the weekend entry discount if you sign up for the weekend at the gate. If you pay by day, it's going to be a little more expensive. But really cool thing they just did, Luke, and I know you saw as we talked off air, they decided to make their test and tune day dial-ins mandatory. So it's a real-life practice session where you get to practice uh, the strategies with cars leaving in your spot and because foot brake is a whole different animal so you know make sure you're blocking properly if you're blocking and going through all and if you want to test to finish line driving skills you're able to do that too real life dial-ins right there in the test and tune session so you got uh, a real live look at what the race is going to be like come race day yeah, it is a really cool idea. I actually talked with Michael about this over the phone um, because he kind of recruited us. Uh, this The mandatory dial-in test and tune is actually going to be presented by This Is Bracket Racing Elite. So something that we're obviously very proud to be a small part of. But no, that the, what struck me about this is I agree, like great idea, but simple idea like why the heck haven't we thought about this <laughs> i mean we, mark actually let us know in the pre-show meeting that this isn't the first time that this has happened but like this was news to me and i just thought i feel so dumb like i've raced for 20 years and never really thought about this makes so yeah. much sense if you're going to a bracket race anyway obviously you're going to be racing on a staggered start there is never an opportunity to practice at the finish line without consequence because the only time you can practice the finish line is in eliminations so affording racers attendees of the bigfoot 40s that opportunity pretty cool pretty neat idea that i hope filters down and we see at a lot more events not just the big money races so to speak i, I think this has a place everywhere yeah, and if it's if I'm involved in the event, Luke, for those that are going, I mean, I would take this opportunity to not necessarily just random practice. I would pick out the guy that's two seconds faster than me or two seconds slower than me and say, hey, let's go up here and let's get a look at how this is going to be. You know, I would want to to specifically pick out my my practice run. So I think uh, maybe if these guys can get in line right and do that, it'll it'll lead to some better results come race day. Really cool idea by Michael and Anthony, just taking it to another level as always. I'd probably try to hold 10 and like break the throttle linkage, ripping the throttle in the test and tune day and be thrashing the rest of the weekend to get everything fixed up. <laughs> Bad idea. All right. I've mentioned this at least in passing on the podcast before, but I don't know that I've clearly articulated it. So if some of this sounds a little bit familiar, I will apologize in advance. But overall, I think that we'd all agree, Jed, that bracket racing in general has done a much better job in recent years of reaching the people that are interested in bracket racing reaching the members of our of our niche so to speak and cultivating an even more passionate following within it i think that the the live feeds of big events has, has gone a long way in that obviously the interweb and social media various websites basically dedicated to sports and drag racing in some form has helped that and, and to pat us on the back a little bit things like this podcast has helped cultivate the, the interest among 
bracket racers in bracket racing. So I think we do a good job of, of reaching our niche, but much better than we did a decade or two decades ago. The key to survival, however, is not going to be as much, I think, reaching that niche and developing passion within it or expanding passion within it as it is to expand the niche itself, reach it out to new members and new markets. I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, Chad, but that theater system that we sort of grew up on, the idea that you start off in the street class and work your way up to the no box class and some work their way up to the super pro class, so to speak. And then from your local track on to NHRA races or big dollar races or whatever the case may be, like that's always kind of been the model. And for a lot of reasons that again, we've talked about before, I just don't know that that model itself is necessarily sustainable going forward. I'm not sure that it makes sense for racers, mainly because we've let the cost of competition in a lot of ways get so far out of hand that it's hard for some to justify racing for whatever the case may be on a local Saturday night, $600 to win, $1,200 to win, whatever. And I think, but more importantly than that is I'm not convinced in this day and age that that model that bracket racing thrived on for so many years is sustainable for racetracks and and promoters as the fields get more and more diluted for a, a variety of reasons. So whether it's as a result of that local scene dying, for lack of a better word, dying is probably a little bit too harsh, or if it's completely independent, the big buck bracket element is thriving. And that's all fine and well today, but I think the biggest issue is where do the next generation of racers come from if that feeder system continues to dwindle? Because that's the makeup of today's NHRA sportsman classes and the makeup of today's big dollar bracket scene is all racers just like me and you, Jed, that started racing on Saturday nights at Texas Raceway in my case, or what would that be, Lasser Mountain in your case? Absolutely. So there's a lot working against us in terms of, as I, again, I mentioned before, it's self-inflicted, but I think the biggest thing working against us is simply the cost of competing at the quote-unquote highest levels of bracket racing. But bracket racing was developed and saw immense growth for so many years in popularity because it's not determined the winner of a bracket race has never been determined by the cubic dollar right bracket racing is founded on the idea that you can go slow you can race a a less expensive machine and be every bit as competitive but i think that we need to work to hammer that idea home more today personally i don't think that the problem is that there aren't enough people interested in motorsports in general like that's the argument you hear a lot like Kids today aren't car people. And I agree. Like, I understand that it's down from our glory years as a sport, but there is still more than enough interest to support our niche. We just need to cultivate that passing interest by engaging those potential racers. And I know, again, I've at least mentioned this in passing before, but I wanted to articulate it a little bit more. I think in a lot of ways, Within the big dollar bracket scene, we're missing the boat. Like, take junior dragsters, for example. 
as a whole, like when when junior directors were introduced, maybe you're talking early 90s, everyone said, well, that's a great opportunity to develop the next generation of racers. As a whole, I think we do a poor job of converting the junior kids. Now, we talked about this on a previous episode, like one of the first episodes of the podcast, in that as you graduate, so to speak, from junior directors, there's a lot of variables, not just in racing, in life. Like you're typically getting out of high school at that time and the doors of the real world are opening to you, whether that be through higher education or through getting a job. Like racing is not always a priority, and I get that. But I think it seems anyway from from my perspective that that year after year – we don't have the conversion of junior drag racers, maybe not even so much into the quote-unquote big car ranks. We just don't see as many of them as I would have assumed we would have seen within our niche of bracket racing. Okay, And I think that the main reason for that is that we completely isolate the junior dragster programs. Like Most tracks even do this. Like The juniors run completely separate of the regular bracket programs. And certainly at these bigger events that have so much prestige involved in the races that we talk about, the races that are on the live feed, they rarely include a junior dragster class. So we isolate them and then we ask, well, why didn't those racers get into bracket racing that we do? Because they've never really been introduced to it. If they were there racing with us, if they were a part of that prestige, a part of that passion, made some of the connections and friendships, I think that conversion rate would go up. So my my plea is, and I realize that logistically, this it's one thing to say this and another thing to do it. I would like to see more of our big bracket events welcome junior dragsters, have junior dragster classes, bring those together. And the same idea holds true for like a base entry level class, even if it's small, like once a weekend. Give the people who we bring to the track with us that aren't competing. Give them an opportunity to compete. Jed, we've talked about this before with the old True Street oh, yeah. class that you were a big part of in the BNM series of old. An opportunity to get their feet wet because bracket racing is intimidating to, to get into for a variety of reasons, right? It's, it's complex. Yes. Um, but most of us, well, I think all of us can attest that once you get started, it's pretty addicting, right? It's a pretty awesome sport. We got to get people over that hump and get them started. And an entry-level class is the easiest way to do it. In the past, that was always part of that feeder system. So I guess my challenge or, or my thought process, and I'm not going to claim to have all the answers here. I'm just thinking out loud and trying to give everybody a little bit of food for thought. But my thought is that maybe we need to alter perceptions in that big buck events don't need to necessarily run counter to quote-unquote entry-level races that grow our sport, but they need to work in unison to be one, to, to host entry-level events and or junior director events as part of some of these bigger events. Um, now, there are struggles in doing that. Like I say, most of us, and I know, Jed, you and I are in the same boat here as oh, yeah. big buck race promoters. Like We're trying, trying to cram a lot of stuff into one weekend anyway. So time and organization, like that brings challenges. But I do think if you look big picture long term, some type of intertwining, some type of meshing of these ideas is critical to the long term growth of our sport. Great message, Luke. I think that's uh, that was very deep and um, thoughtful, and I'm sure that it would lead to some greater participation 
in what Deep we love to see. And thoughtful. There's a first time for everything on the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast, <laughs> folks. How about that? I just looked up words I thought would fit, so deep and thoughtful popped up. So sorry, but no, it was it was well said, guys. That wraps us up at uh, this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. Come to a close, and I want to say thanks to our great sponsors, uh, the folks at Seaver Performance, the AHRA, the fifth annual Southern Big Buck Nationals, of course, the Spring Fling Galat. And uh, our guest, Kevin McKenna, was uh, awesome to have as well in our NHRA pick em. Great having him on. Uh, be sure to reach out to us. Tell us what you think, guys. Message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page, or you can catch up with us on Twitter. Uh, we love the feedback either way. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I, and I am at JP11X. We thank you for listening, and we uh, talk to you next week. Yeah, and if you're uh, if you're on Twitter, I just looked it up so we could throw him in there. Kevin McKenna is at that guy K Mac. So you can follow us all on Twitter and uh, and give us a hard time about our picks. See you guys. Banging on the door, bump, bump, bump until I get it in. Attitude like I am already winning in. Foot breaking in anything. Bottom ball before a ten. I'm rolling in the cutty, switching feet like Jerry Pennington. I was in my truck just to try my luck. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by the Spring Fling Galat, boasting huge payouts of $20,000, $50,000, and $20,000, and entries limited to only $350, along with a 32 no-box participant shootout. Ah, I screwed it up. See, you put the pressure on me, Luke. You really fouled. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by the Spring Fling Galat boasting huge payouts of $20,000, $50,000, and $20,000, and entries limited to 350 top bulb entries along with 32 no-box participants. Starting tomorrow, February 1st, previous Fling participants will be able to pre-enter at Spring Fling Galat. What? Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.